Welcome to Cube and Chaos. Spend some time with us, enjoying old cars and new, whether they are weak or powerful. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cube and Chaos. And the good thing is, it's not just Max and I this time, but we have another guest. It's Juan. Hello, guys. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. We're glad to talk to you. Excited to talk about the chaos formats we've had recently and also the Supreme Vintage format. Not sure if we'll get to the Arena Cube, but yeah, that's something I'd like to discuss as well. Sounds good. Right now, the Arena Cube as best of one is still available. And I think it's nice. So if you have an Arena account, it's not too expensive to, to play this. I think it's a losing game, but um, not by all too much. The buy-in is relatively cheap, so just go ahead and try that out. And also the Supreme Vintage is still available. But first, let's talk a bit with uh, Juan, who's online known as SE8 or Twitch on Twitch, about his way into Magic. How long have you been playing? Well, really I started Magic a long, long time ago. When I first went to, um, to an LGS, I think it was um, revised that was around and Fallen Empires was the, was the expansion of the time. And yeah, uh, I read an article in the newspaper and I, I told my friend, we have to try this. And yeah, been hooked ever since. Not really, not really. I quit magic for 10 years, I think. Oh, all right. And then, yeah, it was around Chronicles, I think. And then I sold it, I sold out. And, um, and yeah, I, and when I came back, I read about Limited. And that sounded spicy. Limited didn't exist back in the time. Yeah. And, and ever since I've only drafted, I've done some seals for tourneys, but I haven't gone back into constructed. I returned around M13, I think it was. Scars of Mirrodin was out. Went to, uh, went to the shop and yeah, I found it amazing, man. And so like around 2010, roughly. Roughly. I think that was, that's, that's about right. Yeah. That's awesome. And, I, I did when I did go to to some GPs back in the day. I remember it was when the when Teardape Lightning Bolt was the meta, and they took a Millstone deck with Field of Dreams, <laughs> Wrath of God, and yeah, yeah, man, that was that was that was the times. So yeah, I've never been very competitive in Magic, honestly. But now now I just I grind limited, so so eventually yeah. yeah. Not very tournament competitive, maybe, but it's been what. The past two or three chaos formats that I've seen you on the leaderboard. So, yeah. oh, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I thought time time to play. Also, I play a lot with with Jasper with the spy, and we we Skype and we we're friends and we actually qualified for a couple in a couple of mocks qualifiers. So so I think twenty nineteen, my name showed up in the MTGO page the leaderboard. I think I had like twelve points or something like that. Which was amazing. I mean, I didn't look for that, but hey. Yeah, sweet. Happy, happy we got there. Yeah, I know, I know it's quite possible to, uh, queue into you, especially if you play, uh, in the European afternoon times, roughly on the weekend, on my weekend. It uh, happens from time to time that I queue into you. And, uh, let me tell you, I have not had good times. <laughs> <laughs> we, we played recently a couple of times. Yeah. Hey, it's always fun yeah. to, to, to play again. Oh, yeah. Lovely. Acquaintances but... and also that's one of the reasons I, I play MTGO now because I started with when we discovered Magic, I started in Lucky. Lucky was a free platform and um, I played a year or two there and I relearned Magic 
I had a friend there. He showed me a lot. And then I played cockatrice. I, that's where I met Jasper, the spy. Yeah. And um, he always tells me the anecdote. He, he became attracted to me because he saw, um, he saw me playing a self-mill deck. And, uh, and yeah, I was a little bit of a maniac. And uh, that, that clicked with him. So, so yeah, we started playing together. And, and he, he introduced me to MTGO. He grinded there. And I wasn't very, I wasn't very fond of, of paying for pay, for playing Magic, honestly. And it did cost me around a year to, to go infinite in just playing limited. Right. So, yeah. so, it's not an easy task to accomplish to go infinite uh, playing limited only. I, I remember exactly the day when I stopped paying for playing MTGO. And that was when, when someone passed me a foil mythic in, in guilds of Ravnica or Ravnica Allegiance. And it was like 88 ticks at the time. <laughs> and, and that exact day was when I had to stop putting money in the platform. That's awesome. It was actually around guilds of Ravnica that I uh, started going infinite too. Like I already had a pretty decent win percentage in like friendly sealed, but I was, I think guilds of Ravnica where it was like, okay, well, I guess I won't be putting any money onto magic online for the foreseeable future. Um, and that's such a great feeling. Oof, it's such a relief, man. I mean, I struggled, I struggled and I had to put a, like a, like a ban on myself. Right. When I wanted, I had to stop playing for the day when I didn't come out with something positive out of a league, you know, because, because otherwise, yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy, but Hey, to try to keep going and eventually you get there so yeah are you saying that just to um keep yourself from playing too much in one day or do you mean oh, no, also because exactly. it affects you mentally if you if you no, have no, a it, it was it was both because i also think magic is, is a pretty addictive game right and uh, yes. and and, it, and i think that's i don't have arena but from what i read from what i hear from people just jamming drafts one after the other It's kind of the you tend to go there, right? It's 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 like a psychological thing. It has you hooked. So yes. so yes. yeah, I had to. I had to, that. That's actually an issue. Uh, I think it's underrepresented in the in the discussion in Magic, and it's addiction to the game, right? But we could say that about a lot of games. And um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's games in general that, but that doesn't make it better for this specific one, right? It's still a problem. Yeah, it is. It is. So. For me, it was it was like a, a monetary. It was also like a discipline, uh, like a discipline thing I, I applied to myself. If you're you're playing MTGO, you're playing against the big boys, and you're paying for each draft. You can you can pay for one draft a day, right? And that's that that was. I mean, if, if I took one, and then you, I opened something, then maybe I put in a couple more ticks. I bought a couple ticks, whatever. But whenever I I extude, I had to to move on, find another activity for the day. So that gave me some discipline because, yeah, I'm a bit of a of a maniac playing, and I'm a bit of a of a Johnny too. So that is probably then also reflected in your spellbook, right? Oh, <laughs> most certainly. Yeah, I have I have a, an interesting one to show you. Do you want to introduce us to the concept of the spellbook again, Finite, for the people tuning in for the first time? Absolutely. Yeah. So this is an idea that I saw originally from Jim Davis, but I'm not sure if he is um, the first source of it. So. There could be someone else. Um, but the idea is really you find a small number of cards that 
really kind of exemplify who you are. They kind of totalize your identity as a magic player. And usually that is associated with some number of good memories you've had with those cards. Sometimes it's with cards that other people underrate. Could just be a pet card that you never even played with, but you liked how it looked. Should I go ahead then? Yeah, please. I can't wait. I made a short list. I made a long list. And now I think I've, I've been able to compact it a little bit. And I wanted to start with Happily Ever After. Happily Ever After um, is an Eldraine rare. It's a two and a white encampment that um, whenever it, when it enters the battlefield, each player gains five life and draws a card. And then it has a lot of text and the last line says, you win the game. So obviously, <laughs> obviously the card uh, spoke to me, but even I saw it as a, as a complete meme, right? I mean, it, the, 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 the requisites to, to get there are, are impossible. Once I drafted the card and I managed to, I to won the league, but I, I did get a, a win with it. I opened it in my pack actually. So I knew it was there. I knew not, nobody was going to take it and I drafted other things. I mean, I didn't take it, but I willed it and I said, yeah, sure, bring it. And in the next pack, I opened an Oko. It was the only Oko I opened in a drain and I must have played a hundred, two hundred drafts in the format. So I had only Boros cards, but I said, man, I, this, it's my only Oko. I want to play it. So in the end, I ended in a five color pile and, and yeah, uh, guy <laughs> got there. And, and actually I uploaded the screenshot to, to Reddit and I think it was, it was like one of the most voted, uh, and, and the title was guys we fucking got there. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I think, I think it was one of the most voted posts in, in the LR cast subreddit, actually. Yeah. And then it was, it was amazing. What can I say? I mean, uh, it's a fun memory of mine. To me, it feels like you basically took a card that only like Saffron Olive would dare to put in a deck and not only won game with it, at least from uh, what I saw in the screenshot, but you won game in limited, which is just like, how would you, how would you even I, like? <laughs> I, I too won, I too won that, that league even with that deck. So yeah, most of on the back of Oko. I mean, I, I remember a game where I landed Oko and the opponent conceded, but but yeah, understandably. This this card, this card obviously is, is not the, the centerpiece of the of the deck. But I also this um I, I also play test for limited with um, Juan Jose Rodriguez Lopez. He's a Spanish pro. He's played the he's top eight at a couple of PTs. Uh, he played the last mythic championship, and I play tested yeah. limited with him in um, Peros and uh, and Vintage Cube actually. And, and man, the, the guy's laser focused, you know, and, and he tells me I, I love fantasy too much, but, but it's also, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I also tell him, yeah, but the thing is fantasy takes you to places where you don't get normally in magic. Of course, it's not consistent. It doesn't always come together, but, but sometimes you can go over the top with it, you know? So yeah, this was, this was an example and I was happily ever after. Number one. My number two is Psychic Spiral. <laughs> Psychic Spiral is four and a blue for, for a sorcery. It says, shuffle all cards from your graveyard into your library, and then target player mills that many cards. So that's where the juice is at. That one was actually decent, right? Right? I actually first picked it in a Chaos Draft, and, and I ended up winning. And that's because the story with this card for me is um, 
I was telling you earlier, Jasper the spy, he was looking at at that game of mine, uh, and in that game I was I was putting chronic floodings on my lands to try to mill my whole deck, and then <laughs> oh, what? That is so awful. Psychic spiral, yeah, and the, and the guy said, yeah, this this guy's a total maniac, and and we and we became friends, and uh, yeah, I I I like I have a soft spot for for mill, and and yeah, this card has it all for me. I first picked it in Chaos Shot recently. This was not this last one, probably the other one, the the one before that. And I wanted to recreate something with it. And I found Stinkweed Imps, you know, the <laughs> the Dredge 5. So, so yeah, I just built a super control deck. Ooh, nice. <laughs> Eventually, I, I Psychic Spiral for the win with like two cards in my library. I mean, it's a one-shot win, win the game card, so yeah. It it feels so good it because you, you know that your opponent's thinking like, oh, I got this. There's no way I can lose now. I got two cards. Absolutely, and... <laughs> absolutely, man. I love I love doing this kind of of junk personally. It's like a really tricky card. Like it really makes your game play out very differently. Yeah, and it's it's a bit like ten draws of agony, right? It's your win con. You don't want to draw it. <laughs> but you also don't want to miss. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. You know, you have a a plan, right? You don't have to put your opponent to zero. Yeah. You just have to. And as the game goes on, the number gets smaller, right? Because uh, they draw they draw cards too. I, I I love that kind of games, and I love that kind of of magic where you have different angles. I think card number three kind of uh, wants to put a, a counterbalance to all this. <laughs> and my third card would be Raging Goblin. <laughs> really. Yeah, Raging Goblin is is absolutely amazing card. No, no, uh, full link. But but Raging Goblin is is a one mana, a one one haste for a red. I think you're obligated to read the flavor text as well. He raged at the world, at his family, at his life, but mostly he just raged. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. After all these years, it's still so, nice. Yeah. After after talking about these two previous cards. I also wanted to to bring this up to to light because um, I also love a, a compact aggro deck. You know, uh, I, I love playing aggro too. I, I think I have I have a, a wide range, right? I mean, I, I I can go from from junky combo to fifteen land mono red, and this is exactly what what happened the first time we played a chaos on MTGO with Jasper. That was only two or three years ago, right? They didn't have chaos draft before. It's not that long. And our first deck was the first deck I've ever built with 15 lands. And it was a mono red. And, and then this card was a house. What can I say? It's all you want. And I, I love, I love aggro decks because like you have to play it super tight. Every point matters. And sometimes you just need one more attacker than they have blockers. One of the interesting spots always when you, when you know that, um, at some points you need to start jump attacking, but when is that point and how much damage is worth it? Oh, of course, of course. And, and also sometimes I've, I've jumped attack just to get in two damages and lose my board because I know my outs in my deck yep. and I, and, and what opponent might land that I can't beat. So I just need to get these two points in here because it's only going down, downhill from this point onwards. Yep. Right. So this brings me to exactly this, this issue brings me to card number four, which would be, I think, a, a more reasonable magic card, which is Wild Mongrel. Ooh. <laughs> That's a very strong one compared to the last ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's the best card in my in my. my Jasper called this in my list the 15th picks, <laughs> and uh, 
And yeah, Wild Mongrel is, is a very strong magic card. And yeah, I wanted to bring it because I had a game in Chaos Draft where I had it in my deck. This was game three of our match. And my opponent had one of the, had a, a landfall bail of, it's a rare from, from some Sendikar. The one that makes four fours. Crackshot and I just recorded a draft of, um, Chaos Masters. And that was our pack one pick one. And that video will have linked. But yeah, if you haven't seen that one, make sure to check it out. It's a sweet one. Anyway, continue one. I have. And it, and it reminds me of this, of this anecdote. And I think it's telling. And, um, yeah. Well, my opponent just demolished me game one with that. And I think I somehow won game two. And then in game three, I had my, I just had my wild mongrel there. I think it was my turn to play. And my opponent like ramped into the bailout. And I was like, okay, this card's unbeatable. I don't have a kill spell for it. Maybe I had an arrest or something, but I don't have, but I drew my hand a week wow. before. I mean, he just landed it, right? And I drew my hand a week. And I thought, like, man, I can't, I can't. But, but really, I, I said, well, what's, what I can't is beat this card anywhere else. So I ditched four cards to the mongrel, <laughs> made it a six, six, and cast Handawick. So I, I trained, I traded every resource I had, every resource literally to, to, to just kill that. And they moved on to win that match. Well, if you pitched four and played Handawick, then you kept the mongrel, right? Yeah, and smacked them for seven. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. still. And, and but it was but it was but it was left held then, yeah, right? yeah. with a three three. Of course. And and yeah, but but actually, it was the I think it was the only line that could hit me that win. So I know the heuristic is actually I wanted to mention that the heuristic in magic is you know two for one yourself. But my heuristic is you have to do what you have to do. Yeah, if you don't have other outs, then. But the important question is: Did the wild mongrel have every? Single color, every color, every color, <laughs> every color. I went through all of them. <laughs> Perfect. It got the job done. So yeah, amazing memory for me too. So next card would be fruit of the first tree. And I know you guys are thinking, yeah, what what is that card? Well, this was this was an uncommon in Fate Reforged, and it's a, it's an aura. It costs three and a green, and it says encant creature. When encanted creature dies, you gain X life and draw X cards, where X is its toughness. Okay, so unplayable garbage. <laughs> but only, only sometimes your drafts go so wrong that you need to find the power somewhere. So this is a card that, while is not at all good, it might draw you five cards and gain you five life. And that's that's what happened. We had a, a train wreck of a draft with Jasper. It was in, in Fate Reforged. And, and yeah, we, but we had a couple, four fives, five fives, I know. And also you can encamp an opponent's creature that you're going to kill. Oh, right. Yeah. And we took it and, and we said, well, our draft is a, is an F. So, so let's, let's give it a shot. And it actually worked for us. Uh, I don't remember exactly the, the details of the draft, but, but yeah, we always talk about it because I like trying to be creative in, in my drafts. And uh, honestly, I've, I've lost to so many things and I've won with so many things that every card, every card, in, that's actually what I, what I like about Chaos Draft, right? Chaos Draft is amazing because you have access to the, to the whole pool of magic cards, not the whole pool, but let's say a, a good representation. And then all those cards play together since day one. 
that's good design from magic, yep. right? That's that's the beauty of, of limited and of chaos draft that you can do all kinds of, of blends that have never been been put together before and and try to. I, li- I like the creativity aspect of of this. So so yeah, fruit of the first tree was a good representation of, of that. Yeah, chaos draft brings out cards from sets that were unplayable in these environments because they were just not powerful enough. But with all these old sets in between, from time to time, um, cards can show up and really matter. So I think my next card, then, to keep on with the trend, would be Allure of the Unknown. <laughs> this is a pretty recent card, and this is Tetos Beyond Death, and it's a rare, and it's three black-red for a sorcery. You reveal the top six cards of your library, your opponent puts one of them in play, and you draw the rest. So yeah, when this got spoiled, obviously it was garbage, right? Yeah, uh, I... because because uh, yeah, it's it's obvious. It's it's this card this card's not great. However, however, there there's a couple decks which I think it fits. There's a couple of nice synergies with it. One of them is, I mean, obviously the card is is Rakdos, so so they're talking mostly about those kinds of decks. And the Loker Agro Rakdos deck, which only has like removal and three ones. You know, and uh, and in particular, three ones that come back from your grave. What's the mechanic from Terrors? Um, what's the name? Yeah, escape. Mm, okay. Yeah. Particularly cards with escape. Um, if this is your curve topper, what's what's your opponent gonna get? You can kill one of your creatures. You can get a, a small three one, and then you get five cards. It's a five for one, right? It's not a five for one. Five for two, yeah. let's say. So so. So yeah, it's it's a very powerful card. You you just have to try to build a deck where it fits. Another another cool synergy with this card in Teros was the you remember there was a five five flyer. There was a demon, an encampment. Oh that it cost five black. Uh. Right? I don't remember the name. But um it was a five five flyer that got minus one minus one for each card in your opponent's hand. Enemy of Enlightenment. Yeah. Yes. Right? I... Enemy of Enlightenment. So if you notice this card works perfectly in your deck with Allure of the Unknown because if it's your your if it, that's your top end and you happen to reveal that with this card, opponent can take it because it just actually it, it, it insta dies. Yeah, I actually hate that card because it's in a modern set, but in a lot of ways it punishes new players um, like old cards sometimes did, and I've seen it so like I don't know on streams and when playing myself like four or five times that opponents played that card with exactly four cards in hand said go and then in their upkeep or in their draw step it died they've seen that happen so often and I think that's just why the card is kind of cool and I don't know maybe it has a spot somewhere like being such a trap card in a modern set that I dislike a bit definitely I I dislike the card in general, yeah, I mean, Teros, Teros was, I mean, I did, I did do very well in Teros. And I, I think I trophied like eight of my first 10 or something like that. That was ridiculous. Kind of surprised they didn't do like a Tarmogoyf kind of thing with that card where it's just like a power and then the same toughness as the power, but plus one. And then just write some text on there about like, this can't reduce its toughness to zero. Just, it is, it is, I think, I think it's good flavor on the, on the card, <laughs> enemy of enlightenment. Right, uh, yeah, you just have five cards, so so it just vanishes. <laughs> Me of enlightenment, ally of stupidity. 
I like the allure of the unknown, by the way. That one, like specifically in the Rakdos aggro shell you were talking about, that just sounds like good deck building to me. Like that sounds like the kind of thing that I think most people would miss. It just makes sense. Actually, my actually my my pro friend, uh, this um, Juan Jose, tells me tells me. Well, actually, heard him talk about me in a, in a podcast saying that that I'm I'm a wonderful drafter and a medium player. So that kind of hurt, but also also kind of I kind of agree with it. I do love the the the, the drafting part of draft and at the deck building. I think I think it's super super interesting, and and you can get a lot of edges there. So that makes me wonder: Have you ever built a cube yourself? I have not. Jasper has, and uh, he has a very good ones. Actually, one of the cubes most played in cockatrice was Pacifist's cube. That was Jasper, and and I've tuned his cubes, but I haven't really got because I have no collection really of physical yeah. cards, and and I don't have a lot of real life magic friends. So so I've never really got to the task. I did. I did try building once for the. Um, there was a contest on wizards for the. You know the cubes that come up today. Yep. These. Um, they're they're from people that submitted them. I I think I remember. So I think I built one for that. But but it's not really. No, I don't. I wouldn't say I'm I'm very much into cube construction. Yeah, I I feel like if you got into it at some point, I think you could have a lot of fun with it. it sounds like something you would enjoy. Yeah, I was already thinking about some kind of like environment with psychic spiral and like clear the mind just because it does have that 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 line too yeah definitely the the shuffle your your library right yeah i would i would love to to give it a shot so get in touch with me if you if you ever need some some ideas for building a cube i mean projects over projects <laughs> <laughs> so i have one yeah, more card please it's um abandoned sarcophagus I think I know that. Abandoned sarcophagus, all the junk rares. It's uh, this was this one was uh, from Hour of Devastation, and and it was the the three mana artifact that let you cast the cycling cards from your graveyard. It's um, it's you may cast spells that have cycling ability from your graveyard, but if a card that has a cycling ability would be put into your graveyard from anywhere and it wasn't cycled, exile it instead. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, that's a junk rare. If there ever was one, however, in Hour of Devastation, there was a lot of cycling. So yeah, I mean, it's the dream if you can, if you can just pick that early or, or actually hope to wheel it and just build a deck with all the cyclers. It's amazing. I mean, I, I love finding niche things in, in, in standard formats too. I haven't liked Sendikar very much because of the, there just isn't too much to, to discover there. I don't think. I think the MDFCs takes up a lot of the, of the space in the format, and there, there's there's just uh, there's just not much space to to be creative. Yeah, uh, somehow I feel like that is that is true. Right. I mean, I, I I get my thrills from from that exactly from from playing with with the cards that wheel, from trying to find potent stuff to do with bad cards. Uh, obviously, I I think I'm good at card evaluation. I know the basics of of drafting, deck building playing but but yeah i think i think it's you have to try to give a uh, fantasy uh, or some room you know in, in your games and and in your approach to magic and and i think that's where the the magic happens for me yeah abandoned sarcophagus reminds me a little bit of um, one of the earlier cards of the 
Psychic Spiral because um, it's a card you just you don't just jam out there. You don't just play it when you draw it, and you craft your game plan around it, and then it can be very rewarding. So I feel like that might be part of the yeah. the, the game plan aspect of it. That you the values the values endless, and also what happens is I'm not really in love with my bread and butter decks uh, affect the board kind of things. Yeah. And then since drafts are, are deep and complex, having a build around helps. Uh, I, I hate, I hate forcing in drafts. That's one of the, one of the things I, I get, I don't like about magic is when you are, when you just stick into your first picks and, uh, and just taking the best cards in your color or colors. Yeah. I think I, ha I need some very, very big reason to be drafting like that. So we can uh, have that as a nice transition to talking a little bit about um, Supreme Chaos because this type of draft, um, we've talked about it a bunch, is like not real drafting. So we have talked about it a lot, but I want to hear how you feel about it and then in that context, how you then approach the Supreme Chaos. I I kind of agree with that. It's it's definitely not real drafting and And again, the spy hasn't played this at all. I've played this mostly on myself because we do draft out together mostly, <laughs> always. Like, but uh, so we're, we're like a team in, in we're accomplices in in crime. And uh, and this this one I've I've played mostly on my own. Yeah. And yeah, the, the format has a lot of particularities, right? One of them is your card pool is so much smaller that you can only afford that many that many mistakes, and also that. That leads to for people to stick into their first rares, to their first picks, and trying to build a deck with those, and and that I think uh, takes away from the format. I think the format defaulted mm -hmm. to five color in the end because you kind of you just picked the fixing very highly and try yes. to to fit in your more powerful stuff. However, some of my best decks in the format have been streamlined. I particularly remember an Iset deck that was Iset spells basically. Super aggro, uh, super tempo. We, it was it was really really good, and it's a format where you actually mm -hmm. need very good. You, you kind of need good decks to to get there, because because people are playing very powerful stuff. In the end, you see 18 rares. Uh, if you if you get rewarded and somehow your your first colors are open, you can end up with really busted decks in the format. Yeah, but it's just you are really relying on opening them. And I think that's um, why so many people defaulted to five color. If you open yourself up early with um, fixing picks, then you know that you will not miss some great rares later on. And, and that's also precisely why why an Iset Tempo deck or just a Boros Agro deck can be very good in the format. <laughs> yes. Because, yeah. because I, I don't care about you, the power of your cards because I'm going to try to put you dead before you can deploy them. Yes, but that much fewer people have done. And um, yeah, I approached I it like this five-color approach first because it's just logic to do that. But I didn't enjoy it very much. Like it didn't feel like chaos draft to me. Yeah, and in, it, in sense, I agree. And and also notice how my spellbook is all just re re weird stuff. But then I have a fond memory of of a deck that's super streamlined in, in Supreme Chaos because I think that yeah. was the challenge here. <laughs> Right, the the challenge was was building uh, something. It's, it's kind of metaing in a sense, right? Yes. You know, the meta is, is slow and and battle cruiser magic. 
and some, yeah. and and the, and the different angle here is trying to be aggro. It's like the story of my yeah. my like career in the alternative play calendar. Like if you go back to Cons Cube, where I was like the trophy leader for a few days, and then I was like, well, you know, I've gotten my eight or nine trophies. I guess I'm done playing aggro because I'm bored of it. <laughs> and then I would do like the same thing in like the Grixis Cube. Everyone else is playing blue and black, and I'm sitting there with mono red, saying, okay, kill you turn four. Like <laughs> it's just. I don't know. Yeah. That's something I enjoy, and I think um, my from what I know here, it wasn't that clear cut because the formats that I was just describing were cubes, and it felt like to win, it was the same thing every time. It was like the same, you know, Hell Rider, uh, like curving up through that card to do it. Whereas, like in this environment, it seemed like you know it wasn't just mono red aggro. It was like is that tempo? It was. You know, maybe your black blue control deck kind of thing, even or Boros aggro, but just like um, there were different ways to be two colors without um, you know playing the same deck every time. Yeah. So I abandoned this this five color like race to the to the bottom to the maximum controlling um, card deck because I just didn't enjoy it, and I also felt like I'm not playing it well. Like when I when I'm not really enjoying doing something that i'm also starting to play worse and worse so i decided to switch it up and try to draft two color relatively aggressive decks and that worked out like amazingly for me i don't know i think i got two seven trophies in the end but six of them were in a streak and that felt quite good it does tend to feel quite good <laughs> yeah and i just decided that i wanted to play two color decks that just affected the board relatively early and I stayed open for finding these two colors during like about a third of the packs, so six packs. And then I just locked myself in and drafted the cards to fill out the curve. And that sometimes felt really bad, like taking some random 3-2 for three mana over like some great, amazing bomb. But um, then in the end, I, I noticed that to me, it also felt so good to beat some of those five color decks that had all these bombs later with this stupid 3-2. So this, I think, can, we can connect it back to Raging Goblin. And um, what I was trying to, to say there is also, in this kind of, when, when you're drafting super locker, for example, your, your threes and fours become so much more relevant. Like, for example, yeah. Hungering Flames, I think was the card. Like, deal three to a creature and two to the opponent, or something like that. Or yep. the other day I had Searing Blood. In my in my Issa deck, so drafting drafting like the like the super fast stuff makes those cards exponentially better. I mean, when you're untapping on turn four and you have the board presence, you tell them six eight damage, and suddenly you can play a three four mana spell that's super relevant. That spell that spell is infinitely better in that deck than in any other deck. It's the same card, but yeah. but it's it's just a completely different impact that it has on the on the game. And and I think your your deck building should aim towards towards that. That I mean that's what I think one of the key things in in Agro. And another thing that these decks did, what I noticed just playing later, not like thinking it out ahead of time, but then I noticed that in these decks, a lot of the equipment that is in the original Mirrodin block just is it's just amazing in normal chaos draft, and it's great in those decks. But these cards are not really there for these for these five color piles. They just can't make use of a skull clamp that well. 
unless they found some random other combo. I mean, it's still great in their deck, but it's nowhere comparable to like, an aggressive yeah. deck that plays some shitters every turn. Yeah, and Skull Clamp is like the epitome right, of equipment. You have GT, you have Skull Clamp. But even yeah. though, even the cycle, like the Neurok Stealth Suit, I think it's named, the ones that equip at instant. Yeah. Right? Uh, those ones, sometimes, I mean, it, it's counterintuitive, but those cards might have a lot of more impact in their deck than the rare in the pack. And, and yeah, I, I'm, I am a sucker for rares, personally. So I think when you're consciously doing the decision, of taking those cards early over much better cards, you are already cementing something <laughs> towards towards winning. You know, because you're you you are you're making just the, the conscious effort to to avoid the temptation to pick the the broken thing. Uh, try to try to get the maximum out of this much worse card. And yeah, I think that's think that's uh, that's how I like to approach uh, drafting too and playing, of course. Speaking of Skull Clamp, uh, I was pretty busy, unfortunately, during the Supreme Chaos season, but Crackshot wasn't, so I got to check out his stream multiple times um, during this, which was really a treat. Um, and you know, not only just checking out the stream of a really nice, good player, but a really nice, good player <laughs> who got what you said six trophies in a row. So really, someone yeah. who's just mastering the format. Um, and so yeah, if you <laughs> like to watch people on Twitch, make sure to give him a follow. I don't know how often he'll be streaming in the future, but uh, it was great fun hanging out there. Yeah, from time to time. I've been there too, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but before before I um, I got to that streak, I was beaten up very badly by Juan. <laughs> In a very funny match, it was like on a Saturday morning for me, and uh, I, I played a deck I drafted the night before and uh, queued up, played against, or was, was paired against you. And yeah. we're chatting a bit, and um, then I there was it was pretty funny, like because I like I had one of the four color or something controlling decks, and you said to me, "Oh, I think my deck's not very good," and um, my first draw wasn't great, and I don't know, but what was the name of this card um, that I played into three times in a row? Was it four times turns in a row? I don't know. Oh um, yeah, it was it was a protection spell with clash, right? Yes, for uh, one in a I white. Yeah, I don't know the card. I, I, I really it was the, literally the first time in my life I saw that card. But yeah, it seemed, so it's for one and a white an instant, and it yeah. gives a creature or your creature protection from a color of your choice until the end of turn. Looks like it's called Redeem the Lost. Yes, and then you clash. Um, if you win the clash, you get the card back in your hand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems good in the meta, right? It's just bomb yeah. some removal. So yes. So <laughs> the thing is, I think the first time. Um, you played it was in the creature combat, and you won the clash. And I like Magic Online reveals the cards that are clashed, and I looked at the card and kept it open to remember that you have that. And then I played some other turn, and I think I played, I think I did another block maybe, and you played the card again. And I thought like, oh shit, uh, Magic Online didn't reveal that the card got back to your hand, but obviously because you won the clash, it was back in your hand. I just completely forgot about it. And um, that felt really bad. I made a comment in chat. And <laughs> then in my next turn, I top-decked the removal spell, snapped it off on your creature, and you obviously <laughs> had it again. <laughs> the five-mana removal spell. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember, yeah, it was. I remember precisely. Wow. That card was good, but also the seal. 
the the plus three plus three seal was really nice, man. I mean, it's it's um, I also had it was just a green something green white egg, nothing particularly good. Hey. But the 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 seal that's a big that giant glove, but it's on the battle for it's it's on the battlefield. So just the threat of activation makes everything so awkward. Yeah, I mean you can't shoot a damage removal spell when I have that out. You can't engage in combat when I have that out. It it just makes everything awkward. And then you have the protection spell. So yeah, I think I think that's the combination of two cards was was what matters most. The protection spell reminds Nothing. me a lot of but, prismatic strands, and it sounds like both with that card and the protection oh, spell and the oh, wow. seal of strength, those are kind of cards you just have to play into. Like you don't really have another choice. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and that's amazing. That's that's the strength of those cards. But what I wanted to say again, um, I was not quite done with the story because you only won those clashes so often because you really built your deck very nicely and you had quite a bit of scrying together with the clash card to make sure that you win the clashes. And that is just great There's, deck building. It was uh, just very cool. Thank you. Thank you. It's, I mean, it's, it's always some luck. But they probably won the first one out of luck. And yes, but... Uh, <laughs> But then after you you really had a a nice cry and then clash engine there and that was really cool like seeing these things that did make it feel like chaos draft. Oh man! <clears throat> I, also, I, I love I love when I I mean I don't love losing, but I'm not that into winning that I cannot appreciate when someone does cool stuff. It, it's happened to me lately in this uh, in this vintage cube supremes mostly. Sometimes you're just sitting there watching them go off and they're like, well, whatever, man. Do your thing. Kudos to you. And I'm glad I shared this with you guys because uh, I actually met Philip playing Chaos. That's a generous way of saying you crushed me with a five-color deck. <laughs> <laughs> when it still wasn't the default, eh? that was just normal Chaos deck. We just had a lot of bombs, that one. You had the rare Phoenix that you can cast. Uh, it's like three and a red for a 2-2 flyer, but then if it ends up in the graveyard, you can cast it for Wooburg, and it's like a 4-4 flyer or something, just like a completely unbeatable card for me. And and also we had another guy in that cycle, the black one. Yeah, Flesh Power. It's a black 2-2. Yeah, yeah that, gives, that kills something then. Yeah, that, that was true, man. I would, play, I would play Chaos all year, and I gotta admit, the first times I played it, it was in Poker Trees, and I thought the format was a joke, a complete joke. I said, well, what is this, man? This is, this is unworkable. But, but it blew me so much. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's the only format I played, honestly. I, I wish it was evergreen on MTGO. Yeah. Yeah, I wish so too. But I don't know if it, if the player base would be sustainable or not. However, I would definitely be playing, which means the rest of my life would not be sustainable. <laughs> it would be, it would be just that. Messier Verdu, Pacifist. Uh, Jay and QT, it would be all of us playing it. It would be fun. They would, it would fire eventually. <laughs> yeah, it would. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I thought one good thing to wrap up uh, the discussion of the Supreme Chaos format and transition to the Masters Chaos format was the set selection. So um, I, from the beginning of Chaos Draft on Magic Online, have been really interested in the sets that are on there. At this time, it looks like uh, they chose to exclude core sets uh, and also some of the older blocks. Also, they didn't tell us this, um, so I could be wrong about some of these things. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I always would like to know the changes. So, Wizards, if you're listening to this, please tell me, <laughs> because I it's more work for me to try to infer. But I think Mirage block was gone. I think Tempest block was gone. I think Urza block 
was the oldest one on there. And I think Masks yeah. block was probably missing too. Anyway. Um, Didn't see it, yeah. No, no Kamigawa, which is always a trick. Uh, I, the thing is, with Kamigawa, I know it's not making the format better, but I still always enjoy seeing Kamigawa packs because it is really the set that I started playing with. Uh, like, not like competitively, but it was like the boosters we first bought were, well, it was Fifth Dawn and then a lot of Kamigawa boosters. So, yeah, it's, for me, it's a yeah. little bit sad when it's not there. Yeah. Nostalgia. Nostalgia is a factor. Yeah, exactly. Magic. Yeah, definitely magic. Yeah. I, I have similar feelings. Like, I think the old sets are part of what makes Chaos Draft great. So whenever they do uh, like a pioneer kind of chaos thing, I'm always really disappointed that I don't get to play with the old cards. I don't get to do any crazy mind games with onboard tricks and, you know, <laughs> make someone stay terrible. Um, no, in all seriousness, I actually really liked um, how this format was constructed in terms of the sets that were in it. Um, most importantly, I think, one of the recent chaos formats had modern horizons in it. Like everything else was pretty fair. And then all of a sudden it was modern horizons. And I think you can really omit like a number of older sets without changing too much. It's really when you include a set that's more powerful than everything else that it starts messing things up. I think I tend to agree. Yeah. Modern horizons should be counted as a master set. And if it's not all master sets, then there shouldn't be just one of them. Right. Yeah. I in masters, masters, um, the, the masters one, I think could have used modern horizons and could have also used the masters editions. Man, <laughs> that would have given oh, a lot, a lot of coolness to the to the format. I think that would have been, I think that would have been really polarizing because those packs were like sometimes you get a soul ring or a library of Alexandria, but most of the time it's like, do I want this seven mana four five? Like, <laughs> no, but you also had like. Copper Tablet, you had Orkish, Lumberjack. I mean, you had powerful cards, uh, also the bombs. And also, to add a bit of, of uh, diversity, right? That not everything... I, I have to admit, I expect the format to be much more busted than it was. Yeah. It didn't yeah. turn up being... Uh, it, it, it did feel like chaos in the end. It did feel a, a strange chaos, but but chaos, yeah. I, I felt like... And we, we I think we agree on that, Max. I think it felt a bit like a cube that is not so focused, right? Because there are there were like synergies across the sets, and the it was much more powerful than normal chaos draft, but didn't feel like like a normal limited set for sure. So my guess is um, what makes a master set technically a master set, in addition to just having the word masters like in the name. Like the reason Modern Horizons isn't there is because there were cards like newly printed in modern horizons that were not uh in the rest of the master sets there are no new cards right but i agree like i think that even though it's technically breaking a rule including that would have greatly improved the format because for me one of the biggest problems was you just saw the same sets over and over and like i think that the you know master's edition uh ones which i would assume they don't count as master sets i don't really know how that works um I think, like I said, it would be really divisive in terms of whether people enjoyed it uh, or not with those in there. But um, to me, it's less about what the actual sets are and more about just increasing the number that are in there. Because with only, I think it was only nine sets. Um, I mean, you're seeing the same set like 
nearly mm -hmm. uh, three times on average. And some of the time would be like right in a row. Um, and it would just feel like, you know, how, how is it chaos if you're just drafting <laughs> the same set? Anyway. I think the, the idea is cool, but it, it came out a bit narrow in the, in the end. I mean, I like, I like, I like the idea of, of a powerful chaos draft, but it did have its, uh, drawbacks in the end. Uh, and I really, that being one crack shot set, I really like it as a cube sort of in that, um, mindset. I like it as this like very powerful, uh, set in terms of commons and uncommons. And then the rares, the rares make a little less sense in terms of the drafting environment because, I mean, that's how they have to sell packs, right? So instead of catering it toward you know, some one-week Magic Online event, it's catered toward uh, like exciting and expensive reprints that will get people to buy the set. So to me, <laughs> right. Um, so I feel like just creating, if someone created like a cube with most of the same cards, but uh, mostly different rares, uh, I think that probably would have been more successful for me. I completely agree with what you're saying. And there was a lot of unplayable cards that were only constructed cards, really. Like, there was this, uh, I, I, I really don't know the names of them, but there was, <laughs> in, in there, I remember the, there's the black thing that makes zombies when it's in your graveyard, but whenever Great a creature goes to the graveyard, you actually, yeah. Bridge from below. Oh, I was so tempted to playing that in one of my decks, but then I didn't yeah. because I knew it wasn't a good idea. But uh, because it was a really strong deck, it was the first deck I drafted, and yeah, I had some. I picked up some discard outlets in between, and I had a lot of sacrifice outlets, and um, I had um, I don't know blood artist or something. Um, should have gone of, for that. Of similar fashion, like working that way, and I really thought it's it would be so cool to. Like have a board, um, discard the uh, bridge from below, sack my board twice to burn them for, I don't know, 10 or something. But then I stopped myself from doing that. And, um, I didn't really regret it, but I was tempted. What, what, this, format, what this format allowed and uh, was, was a storm thing. Yeah. Remember, that was, that, that, was a cool, that was a cool twist to, because there was a storm card. And yeah, I mean, there weren't so much of the enablers. But but hey, the song cards were there, so that was also. Apparently, it was enough. No, it was it was it was like a like a <laughs> how do you say like a steep. It was like a steep, right? You you saw you saw a, an early stone card and said, "Well, here we go. Could try it." Yeah. So <laughs> that's actually something <laughs> I was going to ask you about because I know that you got storm to work on at least one occasion, but I also know that. Um, Beers SC, who's in our Discord uh, and was one of the trophy leaders for this format, I believe trophied with Storm multiple times, <laughs> which to me is just like blowing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 insanity, man. I uh, personally, mine was with uh, Brain Freeze, and Gasper gave me the the idea that we're gonna have to do a Storm to it, and I said like, sure, man. <laughs> and yeah, I was alone that day, but I saw the early freeze, and I said, <laughs> well, the egg ended atrocious, and it didn't have. The, the key cards because there's a couple of key cards that uh, that allowed you to do to a lot of spells. It was basically the Karu lands with this card that draw two, yeah. discard two, and tap lands. Mm. Uh, yeah, frantic, yeah, frantic. Yeah, yeah, and and that that was a really really good engine for that. But I had to do it. I had to do it a bit more on my own. But I did manage to. I did have a. a I did have a bubble and a repeal. 
So I had the ferries that on top to lands. So I did have some, some tools. I, ma- I did manage to get to, to seven bells twice and brain freeze for, for lethal. It wasn't enough in finals, sadly. Well, but yeah, doing it with tendrils. I also saw the beers, the beers things, and that was ridiculous. I mean, he tendrils for 12, I think. Yeah. I, I really didn't <laughs> think that was possible. I didn't even think a brain freeze for seven or whatever it was possible. So I definitely found out on the way and, 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 and I really needed everything eh, to, to, to tie seven spells together in, in limited. I mean, you don't have, you don't have the ramp, the, the acceleration. You don't have the, the card draw. You don't have the, actually, my deck was, was a little blue-green beatdown deck in the end that happened to have a storm wind. So yeah, I mean, it, it was fun. It was fun and yeah, milled up an opponent or two. So yeah, I mean, uh, storm is, is great. I mean, you, there gets a time when you've been playing enough, then all you want to do is storm. Because it has everything, right? It's, it's, it's the different angle. It's the, I, I know it's a bit horrible to play on the other side of the table against Storm because it feels a little bit, uh, onanistic, right? You're just doing all these things on your own with no interaction, no anything. Yeah. But in, in, in chaos, <laughs> in chaos, it was really good because the deck was really something else. It wasn't a dedicated Storm deck. Is, um, Storm a big, uh, thing in the Supreme Vintage Cube draft that's currently online? From my experience, a bit less than I expected. I always try to fit in a brain freeze when I see it because sometimes who's playing, who's doing 10 spells a turn is your opponent. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So, so suddenly you see, you see the card draw and then you, you freeze them. But uh, I've, I've tried it myself. Um, I found Emrakus mostly on the other side. So, so that wasn't Great. I mean, I don't think you should build a storm deck with brain freeze in Supreme Vintage Cube. Maybe with tendrils. Tendrils, tendrils also works very nicely with the, um, what's the, the three and three black, uh, artifact. Oh, bolus. That you can place. Bolus Citadel. Yeah. That, that works very nicely with, with that. I've seen a game of magic trivia. Right? I've seen, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I'm super bad with card names. And as you might have noticed, and, but I was seeing, uh, Reed Duke the other day play Storm on the, on the Vintage Supreme. And yeah, I mean, Storm, Storm is, is fantastic. Actually, I think the, the best decks are Storm decks. Yeah. I, I think it, it's, it's the one deck that can beat everything. Okay. So to talk about this format a little, uh, so this is our first like Supreme Cube format. Uh, all the other Supreme drafts we've had uh, have been what? They've been Ravnica, they've been Modern Horizons, and yeah, of course, the Chaos format that we just had. And so we, because we haven't seen a format with the cube yet, we didn't know whether packs were going to repeat. Um, and that wasn't announced as far as I could see anywhere in the Magic Online articles. And so I was expecting that packs wouldn't repeat. I thought it would be a little bit too crazy if they could, and I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> they did repeat, so yeah, you could get repeat pieces of power and by you could i mean everyone was trying to that was like that's sort of the name of the game and yeah and blue which is normally um considered by a lot of people the best color um is now uncontested meaning everybody can draft blue (laughs) this is like the kind of thing that uh, a few episodes ago uh jacob and i were talking about with the spider spawning deck in the oh yeah there was an innistrad supreme as well um, that back then, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. we thought that, 
or at least I thought that it was just going to be one Innistrad set as opposed to <laughs> the Innistrad sets might have yeah. restored. People were very, very vocal about this. Normally, the Magic community has a lot of complaints, but normally <laughs> those don't apply to the alternative play formats. Uh, not that much. But this time, uh, everywhere I looked, people were complaining. People were saying things like, I don't want to try this format. This format's degenerate. There's no replayability. It's like, why did they do this? Give us regular Vintage Cube, please. Uh, and yeah, this is all over Twitter, Twitch, um, even on Discord a little bit. Just yeah, nobody... Almost no one was really excited for this format. So yeah, my my experience in this format was very limited uh, because I just did one draft and yet, I guess you'll have to excuse the pun of limited. But the point was, um, I tried to do the thing everyone else was doing. I went into the draft trying to take pieces of power left and right and Snogglesworth, who's also in this the Discord, joined me for this draft. Um, and we only got one Mox Emerald throughout the whole draft. That was our only piece of power. <laughs> Um, yeah. and we tried to end up in blue and we also tried to end up, uh, in red and there was almost nothing in red and we weren't getting very many blue cards. So we ended up like going into like black and green because we, you know, ended up seeing like, uh, dark confidant and our curve was very low and we saw like Oko and Uro, that kind of stuff. And we were thinking, oh yeah, we'll just get the pieces of power later. We'll just get the fetch lands and stuff later. And so <laughs> as I already alluded to, we just. Got zero fetch lands and the one, <laughs> the one piece of power. Um, wow, that sounds like a rough spot. Oh yeah, I thought that like as soon as the draft was over, I was like, well, you know, we could just save time and drop from the league now, or we could, <laughs> we could just get the best shot. <laughs> um, and then yeah, so Crackshot, you had just asked whether Storm was, uh, I don't know, dominant, I guess, and we played against two Storm decks in rounds one and two, and they were both pretty, I don't know, underwhelming. Like, I think that, I think the first one had a playset of Narset, um, but it just didn't have, like, the win cons and the payoffs, um, like, not enough wheels to really get there. Um, and we had one copy of a Hole Breacher in the deck as well, and that card is just <laughs> basically... Yeah, just says like your opponents draw sevens, like don't do anything. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've shaken things up. They still draw you seven, right? Uh, yeah, but not with the Narset in play, if if that's the case. Oh, no, but sure. the the uh, breacher making treasures too, like in response to a draw seven, but not only response, but you actively cast a draw seven with full breacher in play, and and it's just right. too much, man, it's too much. Yeah. The Hull Breacher is a card that I've actually heard a lot of complaints about too. Uh, so like separately from this format as a whole, people are saying Hull Breacher is too good, <laughs> which really is not what Vintage Cube is about. Vintage Cube is not a format where people say the card is too good, remove it for that reason. Like that <laughs> no, doesn't happen. No, because it, it works yeah. It works in all fronts. It works in all fronts. It's, it's a three to flash for a three, which is aggressively costed. It has an ability that allows you to play defensively. It has an ability that allows you to do offensive use of it. So it, it really does it all. It really does it all. If it even didn't make treasures, I think the card would be very good. I agree. And, uh, and for me, a lot of the time, it didn't matter that the treasure was made because, I mean, I think that might be specific to the Supreme format, but I already had so much like fast mana that it was like, you know, I, I guess these are helpful because I'm playing a four-color deck, but other than that... <laughs> 
What I've heard about Hull Breacher is putting it in the same tier as Sol Ring and Force of Will. There's the Power Nine, and then there's there's a first tier of, of cards in, in Vintage Cube. Specifically in this format, definitely, but I think it's still going to apply in normal Vintage Cube. I think in normal Vintage Cube, it's a higher pick than Force of Will. Yeah. Force of Will only goes, like, it's only amazing and only in some decks, while I think Hull Breacher might be great in any blue oh, deck. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not at its best against, like, aggro. Um, but even there, you know, pouncing cheetah or hold up counters. Yeah. I will happily play one in my storm deck and, and have a, a blocker. It does not only interact with your opponent, like you can combo with it yourself. That's what you just said with the draw yeah, seven. Yeah, Same with like back too. It plays in all fronts and, and I think it's I think it, it has it has proved to be to be a bit too much. At least in Supreme. I have done around ten Supreme and I have one trophy. And uh, it, it, it has exhausted me. I mean, I was really fighting because I said, man, I have to get a trophy somehow. And, and the whole Reacher has been a huge part both for and against me um, so many times. Yeah, it will feel very different in normal Vintage Cube. It will not come up as often. I hope, I hope so. And, and also and you have one in <laughs> normal Vintage Cube. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I liked it as a, as a rarity, the, the format. Uh, it's just the most busted things around. As a drawback, uh, I'd say the, the, the card pool is reduced. Not all the cards in the Vintage Cube are playable. While in, in normal Vintage Cube, yeah, you, you can almost use all cards somewhere or another. But here you're only playing like a percentage of the of the cards that have opened. It, it's all variations of the same deck, really. And yeah, you can meta. You can meta yeah. and try to go like a thousand year storm with a lot of burn. Or you can try to, I don't know, try a mono red. I have liked watching Caleb be doing the format because his approach yeah. is, is, is a bit different. He, he tries to, I mean, if he, if the, if the deck presents, I, I call it the deck, right? Because it's what we're talking about, like all the power, sm the small place walkers, yeah. uh, tinker, and well, the, the, the massive things. But, but he, he tries, he, he, he knows, he knows, I, I like the guy a lot. He plays very well and he, he knows all the angles of the game. So, so he can adapt to, to a lot of situations and he, he, he plays, he plays very well. And Leovold, for example, is a card that has gone, Leovold was a house, right? In, in the last iteration of Vintage Cube. And now you have Old Breacher, which mm -hmm. really, you don't need, Leovold is three colors and Old Breacher is two colorless and a blue. Yeah. Right, so so it's it's just upgraded it. Yeah, and Leo Vault never traps your opponent, right? You you play it and it sits there and is annoying. And, and you can't, yeah. But it's yeah, not exactly. like yeah, you, you can't play Leo Vault. You can't in play Leo Vault in response to a to a time spiral. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Juan, do you believe that after your ten drafts, where it sounds like you've you know really struggled and been hole breached back and forth and that kind of thing? That the four color deck that I drafted with no fixing and almost no power trophied. I I I'm really. But I'm, how how did I'm how really did proud you of you. I'm, I'm really proud of you. What can I say? I'm just. I don't really know what happened, and frankly, I, I mean, I don't think I was supposed to um like get a trophy. And again, I think I would have been very happy with a two one. Um, basically, the deck was just two mana interaction, just over and over, and then some good answers and actually almost no threats like there was like a chandra uh, i guess you had uro and oko and that was just about it 
I've seen my share of there's gotta say there, there is a high fail rate in this format. Like there's a lot of glass cannons, right? That if you disrupt the one thing they were gonna do, they 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 don't have they don't have yeah. another way to come back. And I've seen a lot of games ended by a resolve three two that sticks, you know, and then it's just a or or a, or a three mana planeswalker that sticks um, an Ashiok. Or people dying to their own mana crypts. I have never right. seen a format where my opponents have killed themselves more, either by casting <laughs> a huge mind's desire that that uh, ends with their library, or or yeah, or mana crypts, or yeah, mostly mostly out card drawing their decks. I mean, <laughs> but but honestly, in in ten drafts, I think I've had three or four opponents kill themselves. I've, I've never Impressive. seen. I've never seen this rate. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a lot of fun, like. But, yes. but it's, it's, I mean, it's always cool to have a fresh format because nobody knows what they're doing, right? And, uh... right. That is true. But I feel like these, these Supreme Draft formats, they get solved much quicker than real new formats. Oh, well, certainly. And, and now people start to try to meta and, uh, and do different things. So you're not always playing against the, the, the very same deck. So it's always cool. Uh, I mean, it's cool as a novelty. And it's it's you don't it's a bit like Commander Legends. You're not there to to win, you know. You're just there to to have a fun time. I hope. I mean, at least I think that's the the only healthy approach to it. Because if you're if you're really yeah. in it to win it, you're gonna have a rough time. <laughs> I mean, okay. that that's apply, apply, applicable to to Vintage Cube itself, but but here more so. I mean, degenerate is the word. Degenerate is the word. But generate power yeah. is fun. My experience of this format, I mean, it was a lot like what you were saying, just about new formats in general. Like, I was prepared to hate this format. I wasn't going to play it at all. I was, you know, I listened to all the people complaining about the format, and I believed they were right. I still believe most of what they were saying is accurate. But because I had those, like, absolute floor-level expectations, I really, really enjoyed myself going into a draft and not experiencing that. <laughs> I totally agree. Also, walking walking into a, walking into a into a game and knowing that you can be dead before you can play a land. I mean, that's that. This format has exhausted me. I end my I end my leagues and I'm exhausted when I play here because it's just overwhelming. Okay, so now should we talk about um, <laughs> Arena Cube? Is that is that something we should discuss? Um, I don't know if we. We have to discuss it in detail okay. because I think no, you have not yeah, played it. Enough. All I would uh, say is go ahead. But I just wanted to say I'm having fun at it. I'm having fun at it. And um, it's at an interesting power level, I would say, because um, it does what many people expect of cubes, which is trying to be balanced, but also trying to be um, at the highest power level possible within the constraints. So um it's just historic cards and it has a lot of the most powerful cards on uh, arena but some cards were also cut for power level purposes or because people just are a bit fed up with them so uro for example is not there and uh, oko is not there and uh i think both teferis are missing because it's not too planeswalker centric um and i think it, it just feels like a good um, format and i like that it has a few two-card combos um, that I've been trying to go after, but 
always just seem to get the the one part of the combo. It's like <laughs> it's driving me crazy because I really want to have one time a combo, real combo deck in this format, but I it, can't seem it to get it. Sound like a fun cube because most of the cards are modern. There's there's cards that don't see the light of day in other mainstream cubes. And yes. and yeah, that's always yes. new territory, and that's that's always fun to to explore. I have to say personally, I do not play modern and legacy cubes, you know, on MTGO, and and I'm always in the alternative calendar, alternative um, rooms, yeah. and those are two I, I really don't I, I I don't know why exactly, but but I I don't I don't play those. I think those actually have a really narrow appeal just because they I think most people who play in the alternative play calendar just prefer vintage cube. So I don't know. I, I think those environments are interesting, but they don't target a very wide range of players. Um, but as for the arena cube, um, you're right, Jacob, I haven't tried it out, but I have um, listened to what a lot of people think. And it sounds like now that um, like they're offering a best of three format. That seems like a really important difference in people's enjoyment of the experience. Um, yeah, having sideboarding, having best of three made it much better, a much better experience of my sideboard and not having a match decided by one game. I was, I was talking to Jasper earlier and he mentioned he's, he's liking this one. Yes. Because you do play against a, a broader variety of decks, right? Because you do play seven games from what I hear. Because I don't have Arena version here, so I can't join you much in this discussion. But I, 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 I always thought best of one was kind of crappy too. But maybe maybe for this it has its uh, its appeal. Um so yeah it has it has it is nice that you see a lot of different decks. But what I dislike about it is it's still a like relatively big format. And if you are in the learning phase and didn't look closely at the contents of the cube, it's really hard to play around cards and i feel like best of one is super punishing there because you you can't adjust your game plan from game one onwards and really try to interact in a way that's meaningful once you really got a grasp on the format i feel like best of one also can work for me while i'm still missing the sideboarding um i th i'm still like not a big fan of best of one at all one thing uh, that kind of ties this discussion into our discussion of chaos earlier is that um, we've talked before about people being able to draft their own uh, custom cubes on Arena, of course, with the limited card set that is available there. Um, but I know now that some people are doing chaos drafts of sorts on Arena too, which um, to me, like, I wouldn't be able to jump into that because I don't have the wild cards to just uh, get everything on there. But it seems like a really cool um way of doing things because the packs are already set up by set uh again there isn't a wide variety of sets on there but it does seem like a pretty cool way of um i won't say making chaos evergreen because i don't think it quite is chaos um without you know most of the sets from magic's history but i think it's still a pretty cool uh thing people are able to do it's more than nine sets so right right yeah definitely right one well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Uh, I think we've covered everything. Well, thank you. Oh, thank you for absolutely. I think we've we've covered a lot. I hope I hope um, it was as enjoyable for you as it was for me. I had a blast. Thank you. Yeah, it was very nice. 
Um, and yeah, everybody who's interested in one of our cubes, I believe my super low power level cube will be ready after the holidays. I will, I will try to <laughs> excited try to get some people. Hey, in there. that's a, I'm excited to try that one. Honestly, that sounds really good. Yeah, um, I'm really interested if, if if people will enjoy it or if people will be fed up with uh, reading weird cards. <laughs> Never. Like, but yeah, join up like my things, man. Join our Discord and yeah, play with us. Come say hi. All right. Thanks for listening. Yeah, and see you in the queues. Bye bye. Happy cubing. Bye.